Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The best of the Joe Show. Running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day. Thanks for joining me. Please join me on Twitter at Dan Day Radio. If you want to join me later tonight, I'm going to be over at Titanic Brewery right off Highway 1 by the U trying to get into that mug club. The more beers I buy, the more chances I get some freebies for the next year. But that's neither here nor there. We're right here having a great time talking about sports and also giving you some of that audio that you need and love. Like the Joe Rose Show, they're going to be talking to Matt Huck about that special teams touchdown play this past weekend. This has been a special Dolphins team. They've surprised a lot of people. That surprise special teams play kind of encapsulates the season, so we're going to hear from that. Dan Lebetard has Ron Rivera throwing darts, and then Stephen A. Smith, not there, but Bob Wishson is there talking about the college football playoffs and how there needs to be eight teams. But right now, we need some headlines. Behind Jimmy Butler's triple-double, the Heat moved to 15-5, defeating Toronto last night, 121-110 in overtime. Tonight, they play the Celtics in Boston at 7.30. The Dolphins place running back Kalen Balazs on the IR while claiming Zach Zinner to replace him, along with wideout Trevor Davis off waivers. Miami plays in New York Sunday at 1 against the Jets. Active times in the NFL, the Panthers fired coach Ron Rivera, which we recently mentioned, after nine seasons. Their QB, Cam Newton, had foot surgery, while Eli Manning is expected to start for the Giants when they play the Eagles Monday after Daniel Jones suffered an ankle injury. Panthers fell to the Wild last night 4-2. They play Game 3 of their nine-game homestand against Columbus Saturday at 7 p.m. Canes defenseman Greg Russo led the ACC in sacks with 14, just two and a half behind the nation's leader. The Canes await a bowl bid. The Marlins will move in the outfield fences at Marlins Park, making it more hitter-friendly. Big game in college basketball tonight at 9.30 when number six Ohio State takes on number seven North Carolina. The U is off till next Saturday due to finals week when they play Alabama A&M at the Watsco Center. The Mavericks dogged my Pelicans last night, 118-97. Luka Doncic continued his early race to league MVP with a career-high 18 rebounds along with 33 points. And now let's take a step into the day spa. Ah. A dog in England recently sparked a house fire after turning on a microwave and burning the food inside of it. I mean, who hasn't gotten baked and forgotten that they were heating up something? No shame, pup. No shame. A Kansas man has been arrested for driving a stolen SUV on his way to bail out his brother, who was arrested earlier for stealing an SUV. That family really loves other people's sports utility vehicles. Connecticut police recently issued a field sobriety test to a loose donkey. The ass was deemed sober and returned to its owner. A Georgia man was too drunk to work his shift at Steak and Shake, so he called out, then proceeded to rob the place at gunpoint. You know what they say, if you're too drunk to work there, rob it. Now on to weather brought to you by Hylia Park. 
Tonight's forecast is clear with temperatures dropping into the 60s. We'll see you at Champion Simulcast Center and Sports Bar at Hylia Park on Sunday, January 12, 2020 for the National Horse Players Championship Qualifier. There's $10,000 in prize money up for grabs, and the winner earns a seat in the Las Vegas Finals. Register now at HyliaPark.com. Joe Rosho! Oh, those surprise Dolphins with that surprise play this past weekend that brought them to the win over the Eagles. The guy that was kind of behind the whole scenes, Matt Hack, made it happen. They joined him going one for one on his passing career. That very special play that we just discussed. Dolphins, a tight team, and Fitzmagic making plays. Matt, I wanted to ask you this question first before we started the interview. Uh, do you realize that you might be one of the only quarter, or I say quarterbacks because you threw a pass there. I think you've thrown two passes in your career, one for a touchdown, one for an interception. Am I close? That's uh, exactly right. <laughs> that's a pr- that's a pretty good little uh, one-two punch. I mean, obviously the last one better than the first one, but I was looking up all the stats on that, and it's hard to find kind of passing stats uh, on a special teams guy or a punter, but one for two, a touchdown, interception. That That's not bad. Well, right let's, let's get into the good stuff right. here. Uh, hey, hey, Matt. What, what a, what a, hey, man. It's nice to have you. Thanks for coming on. Uh, what a play, man. Uh, so, how many times did you work on that thing during practice to to pull that off? Honestly, way too many times to count. We've been really? working on that thing for probably four or five weeks now, and wow. it, it hasn't looked quite the same every single time. But towards the end of there, we started executing it pretty well in practice, and. Uh, coaches felt good about it. We felt good about it. And, you know, it's one of those things where you, you call it and you see what the defense gives you. And if you, they give you the look you want, then you're rolling with it. Matt, you sold it, man, because I thought you were going to run. And all I saw was a bunch of big defensive linemen and linebackers waiting on about the one or two yard line for you. And I thought, oh, no. I thought for a second you were going to go and try the leap, you know, that the punter leap, because Matt's a good athlete. And then you flipped it. And you flipped it and it looked like you turned around. Did you wait to see if he was going to catch it or you just knew it? Um, you know, it's funny. Me and Jason actually talked about that after after the game. And I flipped it and I, I looked back to make sure he caught it. But I actually kind of got pushed a little bit. So I think my momentum just kind of took me away. And honestly, once I got past the initial front line of guys, I knew he was going to catch it. He's, in, he's caught pretty much everything I've thrown at him at practice. So I, I confidence <laughs> there. Matt, what was the mindset when the, when the play was kind of called? And you're you're jumping out of the huddle, and all of a sudden, you know this is coming right now. Pretty much, I just here we go. I mean, we're calling it. And my first initial thought was make sure we got everyone on the field, and then when we shifted out, uh, make sure we got the same look we had in practice. And at that point, it was like, all right, here we go. We're actually doing this thing, and set set, and let's roll. Matt, I'm guessing if it's covered, and, and you look, and and uh, Sanders, Jason isn't. If he's not wide open. The only other thing is I'm thinking is you got to try to find a way to score a touchdown and get the crap knocked out of you. Am I correct on that? You're correct. Just <laughs> wasn't there. It was my my teams coach told me to get big and see if I could find a way to get in. <laughs> did uh, did they tell you last time punter kicker touchdown happened? They popped that up 19. And by the way, you know the NFL is looking all over for that damn thing. You caught everybody by surprise on that one. 1964. Hell, I was a young guy back then. I mean, that that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, I did not know that. Hey, uh, how about this one, too? How'd you guys come up with the name, the Mountaineer Shot? I mean, I was trying to think of all uh-huh. the names, Open Door or something, Flip. Uh, Mountaineer Shot, yeah. where the hell did that come from? It's actually uh, for Dan Kilgore, because he was in the game. So a little Appalachian State reference. Wow. That is, uh, yeah. that is great. By the way, 
you guys been calling all kinds of stuff earlier in the year, and, and I don't want to get away from this play because it was just so cool. Matter of fact, Zach and I have seen it like 10 times this morning At already. Least, they're yeah. still they're still showing it. <laughs> you made the coach, had to answer, and the poor, the poor coach up at Philadelphia who's been getting blasted for not being prepared said that it was. They worked on it. They knew that something like that might happen, and one of those guys was supposed to cover Sanders. I don't know if he was telling the truth or not, but I want to ask you about the other play, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, that was another one. I mean, we'd have been, if we right. score on that one, but you, you fake that one and you run up in there and get the first down. Uh, we can no longer be trusted on special teams, I guess. Is that that the deal now, Matt? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's 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 definitely a weapon to have stuff like that in your back pocket for teams that have to prepare for and be ready for. So that way they can't just tee off on blocking punts and field goals and stuff. So you keep them, keep them honest. Matt, you know, I, my other thought is those plays, like with the roster we have, we have to do some stuff like that. We, we can't, I mean, we went three, four, people forget. The Dolphins went for it on fourth down three times right, in a game. Right. I mean, it's like, okay, we, we got to go for it, man. We're going to stay in this game. We're going to make plays. I want to ask you about this team. You know everything that's out there and what people have said. But this group is about as tight for a team that struggled to get wins as I've ever seen. Explain that, and does it feel like that to you? Like, everybody seems to be all fired up all the time. It's actually pretty special. I mean, we don't really pay attention to the outside noise because – I mean, people are going to say what they're going to say, but all the coaches and especially Coach Flo and stuff has done a really good job of keeping us tight. And honestly, these guys would come to work every day and work hard. And, you know, we expect to win every game. It's If you don't, I mean, it, what, are you, what are you playing for? So this team, just in my eyes, has been pretty relentless through it all. Coach Flo, t- can you tell us a little bit more about how he's been this season? Obviously, an up-and-down season from the beginning to now in the last couple of games, winning three out of the last couple you know weeks. You've won games. You're there. What's Coach Flo been like up and down this whole season? He really hasn't changed. Consistency is a big thing that he talks about often, and he brings the same energy every single day. So, I mean, that that might be where you see why this team has been playing the way it's been playing. I mean, we, we kind of follow follow his lead and uh, whether we win or lose he's we're back in on monday tuesday wednesday and we're right back to work so there's no he's, he's pretty consistent with how he's his emotions and coaching and all that stuff so this team seems to have really rallied around ryan fitzpatrick too whether he's trying to run a guy over and get in the end zone or throwing one up on fourth down for Devontae or mike to go get you, you feel that way when you look at him he's just been kind of a special uh, big daddy out there for, for it seems like for the whole team rallies around him. Do you feel like that a little bit? 100%. I mean, when, when the ball's in his hands, uh, the play is never over, whether it's first down or fourth down. Every time he's got the ball in his hands, he's got a chance to make a play and uh, I think we feel pretty confident with him with him back there and you, I mean, you've seen it throughout his whole career. I mean, he's been making plays for as long as I can remember watching him. So, Matt, I know you said you haven't heard it. Listen, everybody's talked since, and you guys got rid of some of your best players to start the season. You're aware of that. I don't need to tell you that for draft picks and everybody. You heard the. I'm sure you've heard Tank for Tua as much as I have, and and now this guy and that guy. And we need this and that. So, you guys saying you completely blocked that out, or is it just kind of we're going to stick it to everybody, or what's everybody's attitude when you know you? Got got all these picks and all this money for free agency and we're going to flip this team over and we're going to be a lot better and yet you guys block it all out man and play your ass off every week what uh what's been the attitudes anybody said screw everybody on the outside we're going to stick it to everybody what's what's been the take since that's kind of has been it's i mean our focus really hasn't been on that it's been about uh each week who, who our opponent is that week 
stuff like that. So, I mean, if, if you let the distractions get to you and the outside noise get to you, then it takes away from uh, whoever you're playing. So our, our focus is every week has just been pretty laser focused on getting a win and knowing your opponent, knowing their personnel, you know, knowing the game plan and executing. Hey, uh, how many text messages you get after a, a, a play like that? That flip and you take off celebrating and, and the big guys are jumping all over you and going crazy. And uh, so what was the text message look like after that game? They're still not ending, so it's been pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been countless. Well, I don't know how it's going to um, end. Not with these. Not with the. It, literally every five minutes is on the highlights on ESPN yeah, or yeah. NFL Network. We see it every morning. I got a question. Was there an option in there uh, if you saw it for the drop for a drop kick for the field goal? Was there was there something there also for you? We hadn't talked about any of that yet. <laughs> so, I'm sure there'll be more to come. Right. Hey, right, right. did you tell him like you could do a lot of stuff, right. but you don't know about about that one? That was. Uh, <laughs> I can't even imagine your heart rate, man. When you're sitting there, you got Kilgore at center, and he's snapping. He got he got gone. Side of them, and you're back there, and, and you're looking, and, and we didn't know what you were going to do either, man. I was like, you sold me on those first couple steps, man. They were pretty fast, like like you got real close to those big guys before you flipped the ball, man. Before you, I mean, that was that was a hell of a sell job for a guy who's like, oh no, this is going to be a big collision here, man. Yeah, it, uh, it happened a lot faster in the game than it did in practice. You can imagine. <laughs> so, <laughs> by the time I turned around and was ready to ready to flip it to Jason, that they were pretty close to me. But honestly, that's that's how it was drawn up. And yeah. I'm just, I'm glad it worked. Well, you sold them all because they were all looking to tackle you. There had to be five guys, man. They were coming in from over Jason and everybody else, going, "We are going to wipe this guy out." And uh, and by the way, you stopped and got out of there before you could take the big hit. That was impressive too. You stopped on a dime and and headed the other way. Uh, so the whole thing, Matt. Thank you, buddy. That was uh, great stuff, and it's nice to have you on and uh, and everything else. And by the way, man, thanks for all your work with uh, with the DCC too, man. It's it's uh, it's a special year, uh, ten years. So thank you. Absolutely, uh, thank you guys for having me. It's been it's been awesome. Thanks, Matt. Always good talking to you. And by the way, Matt gets a really good seat on the plane. It's nice. They it, it's got yeah. extra room. Right. And this this week, we're giving him two big seats right. next. He gets his own row. He needs it, man. So, at this point, great stuff. Our Dolphins might not be the best in the league right now, but heck, you gotta love them the best. They have so much heart. They're playing so well. Brian Flores got the team going. Got to, got to, got to love. They have a really good draft. Who knows? Next year, I'm saying it, they're going to make the playoffs with a good draft next year and a little bit of luck. I'm just saying that. All that has to happen, but maybe it will. Speaking of Miami, Dan Lebetard, he is on the way. Well, in Carolina, Ron Rivera is no longer there, but he didn't leave without some parting shots. We'll hear that next on the Best of the Joe Show. The Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I'm Dan Day. Go ahead, get me on Twitter, at Dan Day Radio. You get into the day spa and all types of other good stuff. But when we talk about Dan's in Miami, there is a main man, Dan. That is Dan Lebetard. He is heard on this radio station from 10 to 1. Earlier today, they looked into Ron Rivera throwing darts at his former employer. So here is Ron Rivera telling you how much he built in Carolina. You know, when I arrived here in 2011, Stephen and I were thrilled with the opportunity. So excited that we wanted to bring home some gear. 
back to San Diego. Team was coming off a two and fourteen season, and you really couldn't find any gear. The team had been low, but now you walk in a grocery store, you can find gear. You walk in a grocery store, you can see people wearing Luke Kuechly's or Christian McCaffrey's or Cam Newton jerseys. And I know I was part of that culture change. When he's hard in the NFL, and not to be taken lightly, I'm proud that I took over a two and fourteen team and won back to back to back NFC division titles, South division titles. I want to reemphasize. I'm proud that I took over a two and fourteen team and won back to back. To back. See the emphasis? Juan, three in a row. Okay? Whether you define it by wins or losses or you define it by winning the division, to me, that's three years in a row of consecutive winning. Okay? So I want to make sure we're straight on that. I get tired of hearing, oh, they couldn't win three years in a row, two years in a row. No, we won three years in a row. So let's get that straight. And we were the first team in the NFC South to do it. So I'm pretty doggone proud of that. Okay? Where has indignant Ron Rivera been all my life? I have missed him. We need to fire that man more often. Get some good sound out of it. How many times did he hit you over the head? Did you, did you guys miss how many times consecutively they had won the division and that they were 2-14 and 14 when he got there and I suspect Cam Newton had a little bit to do. You got him because you were 2-14. and 14. Well, if you were confused, he did offer the clarification just to be clear. <laughs> he was so close to being fired. He was going to be fired. Again, I'm going to remind you for those who are forgetful that Ron Rivera's job was on the line before the back-to-back back it was on the line and everyone thought he was going to be fired and should have been fired and then what ron rivera did and i just i should have known that he's got indignant ron rivera in it because he said you know what bleep it i'm gonna stop doing the stuff i've always been doing which is super conservative and i'm gonna be a river vote river river damn river boat i'm proud that i took over to a 14 team and won back to back to back nfc division titles south division titles I want to reemphasize, I'm proud that I took over a 2-14 team and won back to back to back. See the emphasis? Won three in a row. Okay? I love, no need to I just love, I love that he's explaining to us again and again what it means to win three times in a row. And it's because he's pissed. Like, why am I being fired during the season? And that that part I can understand, actually, because why wouldn't you just wait? My guess is that the the reason all of that happened is because you did you didn't let it you didn't let him finish it with his guys. You didn't let it get to the off season. I don't think you would have gotten that exact press conference if if he had been fired without the the embarrassment and the national shame that comes with we're going to put it on television on a slow Wednesday everyone's going to talk about this man being unemployed because it's pretty rare for coaches to get fired in season and especially it's pretty rare for a coach who's got some pedigree in your city and has made them go from 2 and 14 to back to back to back <laughs> division title and you can buy merchandise now yeah, he was taking credit for the merchandise sales too, which was a nice. There, were, there weren't Ron Rivera jerseys being purchased, but either way, yeah, it, it would take some uh, of the sing out of it if it was at the end of the season. You had other coaches being fired with him, but that's admirable that he wants to finish out the season with his guys. If that's what we assume is true, because. This is actually good for Ron Rivera. He also gets a head start on finding out where his next landing spot is. But Tepper just needs to sit there and eat it while he's doing that. I mean, he took that franchise to a Super Bowl. I know. It's, it's just the most common thing in any sort of management change throughout business is someone comes in and they want their own people. They want new people. There's nothing terribly surprising about Ron Rivera being fired when a new guy comes in 
and told you the last couple of weeks, publicly put his name on. I what what was it that he said? Didn't he say like I'm disgusted at all times when we're mediocre? Like it's one of these alpha billionaire types who's coming in there and he's not going to be tolerant. He's not going to he's not going to sit there with a guy who he inherited and keep him around like he has to keep around that statue of Richardson contractually. Maybe he feels slighted. I think he just ultimately feels slighted because he got fired. Because I mean, what's more disrespectful? Being fired at this point in the season, getting get on your contract honored either way, or hearing in reports that you're going to get fired or hearing reports that they're interested in some of these college guys that they now get the first crack at. I would say, though, that a fireable offense would simply be using Cam Newton the way they have the last couple of years, that somebody should take the fall for the fact that you have betrayed that guy's body with very poor management in a way that would make you understand if he quit the way Andrew Luck did because that was mismanaged and somebody's got to take the hit for that. Yeah, but it's also the best Kyle way. Allen being out there. Yeah, but it's also the best way to use Cam Newton. It's just like the, the, oh, but the Ravens talking, are using no, but Mike, Mike, I'm talking Jackson about him getting hurt in a preseason game when nobody was playing their guys this preseason. Well, Cam Newton was also lying. But Mike, this is a quarterback who was an MVP who went to a Super Bowl who's 29 or 30 years old. I mean, they've kind of ruined him. Yeah, and he got to the Super Bowl in part because of the way that they were using him because mm-hmm. he's the greatest goal line threat in the mm-hmm. history of our game. Mm-hmm. We can't all like clap at John Harbaugh for using Lamar Jackson the way that he is. And then when they, he gets hurt, which will inevitably happen, say, how could you do no, that? No, ag- agreed. But the way that this season ended and the shoulder surgeries where he's playing through stuff because you need to win right now. Actually, no. He cost his job because he wasn't doing that with Cam Newton. Everyone was wondering, why isn't Cam Newton running? Why has he become but a pocket they, they passer? Kept, Mike, they kept throwing him out there when it was clear to all involved that this was injury that was a lessened Cam Newton. Mike, if you remember after the first or second game of the season, I was telling you after I think it was a Monday night game or a Sunday night game, Cam Newton was having trouble getting up. He took a knee in the huddle and was having trouble getting up. For yeah. taking a knee. Yeah, and they benched him three weeks into the season, and they got him the help that he needed. Can't blame Ron Rivera. They hate on you. You hate on them back. Facts. The truth hurts. And the truth is, Dan Lebitard is always awesome. Weekdays from 10 to 1. Be sure to check him out. And, of course, you can get the podcast for that show, this show, or any of the shows here on this radio station, wherever you get your podcast for absolutely free, the radio.com app, or you can simply go to our website, wqam.com. Up next, Stephen A. Smith. He's not yelling. He's not preaching, but he's got Bob Wishenser in there for him to do the preaching and the screaming and making good points. Next on the Best of the Joe Show. Welcome back to the Best of the Joe Show. Running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I'm Dan Day. Jump on that Twitter account and give me a follow at Dan Day Radio. Showing love to the Dolphins, the Heat, the Marlins, Inner Miami, the Hurricanes, all of South Florida. And plus the day spa. <sighs> you always got to say, ah, when the Stephen A. Smith show is on weekdays from one to three, Stephen A. Smith taking a, ah, so taking over for him, Bob wishing, sir, he has got some information about why he thinks there should be eight teams in the college football playoff. Now I want eight teams in the college football playoff. And if you want eight teams in the college football playoff, like me, you want nothing clean to happen this weekend. And I think there's only one way this weekend will be clean, and that is if Georgia beats LSU in the SEC championship game. And even that might not be a clean result in the college football playoff. Bob Oshusen, in for Stephen A. We talk about the coaches that are on the hot seat in the NFL all the time. How about the quarterbacks that are on the hot seat this weekend especially, and especially tomorrow night 
There is one in particular, and it's not the one you think. I'm going to get to that a little bit later on. Uh, but I want to start with the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And I want to begin with the college football playoff rankings release and a couple of issues that I've got with it that I think are going to mushroom cloud into problems this weekend if the games go the way I think they're going to go. And I think the way most of us think they are going to go this weekend, the different problems that college football, the committee, the playoff is going to have because you are going to once again, because there are not enough teams in this playoff, you are going to have people kicking up a dust storm and screaming over the fact that they got left out of something that they should have been a part of. And it, look, you if you have four teams and you have five power conferences, then by definition, you're going to leave at least one conference champion out every year, which means by definition, you're going to have a problem every year. This year, I think the problems could be worse than most. And it is the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, Bob Shoes and in. How could this be clean? How can you get four teams in and no one really debates it? To me, the one scenario and the only scenario where you can at least come as close to that as possible is Georgia beats LSU in the SEC title game, and it's a good game. Not a blowout, a good game. Because if you get a blowout, if LSU loses by 50, which is not going to happen, but if that were to happen, you're going to get at least some people that will be screaming and yelling to drop LSU out. That they should go from two to five if they get their rear ends kicked. That will never happen. LSU is not getting blown out. I think they're going to win the game, which helps create chaos. And if LSU's only loss of the season is to a team also in the top four in a conference championship game, you're not going to take a one loss team from outside the top four and hop them in. So if we go on the premise that Ohio State's going to take care of business, Clemson is obviously going to take care of business and LSU loses to Georgia. You'd get Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, Georgia. Those would be your four. That means you would have two teams that would win their conference championships, all of which are, if not in the top ten, close to it. You get two conference champions going to be screaming and yelling that a team that didn't win their league title, LSU, got in. How many people think Georgia's going to beat LSU? I am not in that camp. So if Georgia loses and Georgia's out, now you look at the chaos. Because what happens if Utah wins and Oklahoma wins? Or if Utah wins and Baylor wins? You're going to get a winner between numbers 6 and 7. So do 6 and 7 hop number 5 and get in? Could you have a team that's ranked 5th right now win their conference championship game over another team in the top 15, beat them for the second time, and not get in? If you're Oklahoma or Baylor and you don't get in because Utah beats Oregon, and maybe they beat Oregon decisively and they get in, Now you've got to win on your resume, Oklahoma or Baylor, where you turn around and say, wait a minute, I just beat a team that's ranked way higher than Oregon is. I should be in. That's probably what's going to happen. And no matter which scenario you pick, one of those two teams is going to have a legitimate case as to how they got screwed. Maybe Oregon won't have the case as to how they got screwed if they beat number five and you're thinking they're not hopping all the way from 13 up to four, right? I mean, they're not going to make it. Oregon's a two-loss team. You're going to have too many either no- or one-loss teams. A two-loss team is not hopping over everybody. But for just for the sake of argument, LSU beats Georgia. Georgia's out. Utah beats Oregon. Oklahoma beats Baylor. Again, who do you put in? And how do you not have one of those teams making a very real case that they got screwed? Now, here's a soundbite that I want to listen to. My guys told me we've got it. And this is Rob Mullins 
who is, of course, a very interested party in all of this because he not only chairs this committee, but he also is the AD at Oregon. So he's invested in what happens in the championship uh, of his conference, but also what happens in who gets in the top four. And he talked about, he went on Freddie and Fitzsimmons here on ESPN Radio and talked about the debate between Utah, Oklahoma, who should be five, who should be six, and I'm very curious to hear what the reasoning was behind putting Utah five and Oklahoma six, which to me creates even more of a possibility of chaos. Let's listen to what Rob Mullins had to say. The most time and the most vigorous debate was on five and six. Seven was in there too, but we spent the most time and got the most heated or got after it the most on five and six. You, you've got two really good teams with different sorts of resumes. Uh, Oklahoma has uh, the win over Baylor when C.D. Lamb wasn't available. They also have the win over Oklahoma State. And then you look at Utah, who's just had this season long of great balance on both sides, dominant wins incredibly consistent, top two or three defense in the country, uh, experienced quarterback, only loss on a Friday night on the road at a ranked USC when Zach Moss, their star running back, missed the majority of the game. So their level of consistency and what you see when they watch them play is they dominate teams. They just kind of squeeze you. They get you in their grip, and uh, they have dominated their entire schedule. Okay, so I guess here would be the question I would have asked. If you think that Oklahoma – or Baylor, the winner of that game is going to be number four at, and, you know, I don't know if you need like some type of a lopsided score, if you need one of the two teams, maybe Baylor has to win by two touchdowns in order to hop two spots, I don't know. But there's this line of thinking, and I've seen it a bunch of places, where now the Big 12 championship game is a playoff game if Georgia loses to LSU. If Georgia's out, the winner of Oklahoma Baylor's going in because that win is going to be better than anything that, um, that Oregon has on their schedule, including a win to close out the season against, or rather Utah's got on their schedule, including a win over Oregon if they close out the season with a win over Oregon. If that's the case, why is Utah fifth? Why are they fifth? If you're telling me right now that you think Oklahoma and Baylor, with a win by one over the other, is better than Utah, then by definition you're telling me that Oklahoma and Baylor, as a team, are both better than Utah. Then make it clean. Put Utah seventh. Five and six should be Oklahoma and Baylor. And this is the chaos I'm talking about. This is what I think they're setting themselves up for. This is why if Utah goes out there and takes care of business on the road at Oregon in, in, in a championship game against Oregon, if they get hopped by Oklahoma or Baylor... I'd be screaming if I was in Utah about the fact that I won my conference championship, got one loss just like these other two teams do, and I got hopped by teams that were behind me. What message did you send by putting me fifth that right now you think I've done a better job than either of those two teams? This is why we need eight. That's why, from the start, I have always thought that eight was the right number because eight allows you, and there are certain years where having automatic bids from conferences would be a problem. This is not one of those years. This is one of those years where it would be perfect math if the top five conferences all got an automatic bid. A pow- the non-Power Five conferences, the group of five, would then be able to get an automatic qualifier in as the eighth seed, and you still had two at-large teams. And then you'd have teams like Florida and Penn State and Auburn and Baylor, you know, whatnot. Any of those teams from, say, 7th down to 12th, where Alabama still is, kind of making their case to be one of the two at-large bids that could be voted in. But you would have nothing but playoff games this weekend, right? Utah-Oregon would be a de facto playoff game. 
Oklahoma-Baylor would be a playoff game. Even LSU-Georgia would kind of feel like a playoff game. Even if Georgia lost, maybe they'd hang in and get one of those automatic bids or one of those at-large bids as well. But the idea that you have 130 teams in this sport and only four can make the playoffs, is it's just not enough. I want eight. Eight cleans it up. Eight gives us better and more football. Eight makes more of the games in the regular season meaningful. Selfishly, as someone who calls college football on ESPN, I want games that are more impactful to the college football playoff to call. And I'd get more of those games if there were eight teams involved because there are more than four deserving teams to be in the playoff. And you're going to see this weekend at least one, maybe two. You can make it almost an argument, maybe even three deserving teams will be left out. In college basketball, when you've got 64, now 68 teams making the NCAA tournament, I have no problem when we have a, you know, kind of a, a, a sour grapes bubble team argument on selection Sunday. But once we get past that quick argument, do I really care if the team that was 69th or 70th feels like they got left out? No, I don't. And in college football, I wouldn't care beyond maybe the Selection Sunday brief argument about the team that feels like they were ninth or 10th and getting left out. Win your league and you get in. Do your work in the regular season as an automatic qualifier or an automatic you know, uh, champion and you get in. And so much of this, I think, would be cleared up if you could have eight in there. But I think we're going to get chaos. That four spot is going to be, I think, an unbelievably debated thing this weekend. And part of me is looking forward to that because the harder that the teams that should be in make it on the decision makers to leave them out, the more we move towards eight teams, which to me increases. Like, think about think about it from this standpoint. The National Football League's got 32 teams. 12 of those 32 make the playoffs. So you've got about 40% of the teams in the NFL make the playoffs. Look at the TV ratings. Look at the conversation all week, especially every Monday and Tuesday after these games are played all weekend. Look at the attention that America pays to the NFL regular season. You're going to tell me that having 40% or so of the teams in the NFL in the playoffs, 35% of the teams in the NFL in the playoffs, diminishes the regular season? The NFL regular season gets paid more attention to than any TV product, not just sports, any TV product, period. All of the highest-rated sporting events on television every year of the top 20, like 19, if not all 20, are NFL football games. We thirst for more NFL football games every weekend. There's 130 teams in Division I college football. We put four in the playoffs. We can put eight in. That's not even close to the percentage that the NFL puts in, and yet people's argument is how much it's going to diminish the regular season in college football. No, it won't. It will expand the interest in college football in the regular season. There are not going to be people out there that are going to pay less attention to Alabama LSU because they both might make it into the playoff. There will be rewards for teams even in a 1-2 matchup, the winner or the loser. If you're the winner and you stay number one and you're the number one seed in an 18 playoff, maybe your reward is you get the group of five automatic qualifier. So this year, if you're Ohio State and you hold on to the number one seed over LSU, you can end up instead of having to play Oklahoma in the first round or Florida in the first round, if you went to eight teams, you'd play Cincinnati or Memphis 
in the first round. That's not an advantage. It's a huge advantage. Of course it is. If you're LSU and you beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, maybe that's enough to vault you over Ohio State, get you up to number one. And now you get that benefit. So the te- the, the games at the top of the food chain would still carry a tremendous amount of interest. We would be all over top five against top five regular season matchups in college football. Wouldn't diminish it one bit. But think about all of the other games, all the games down the food chain. If you double the number of teams in the playoff, where you would now have interest. You get a tremendous volume of games from teams that the minute they get either their first loss, if it's a bad one, or God forbid their second loss and they know they're out of it, and now they're just kind of playing exhibition games for the rest of the season to find out what bowl they can get into, those teams would all still be in it. Any team ranked in the top 15 or 16 going into the last couple of weeks of the season, all of the games that those teams would play would all be significant because all those teams would still be in it. It would greatly enrich the number of regular season games in college football that would be meaningful. We need eight teams. We've needed eight teams since they came up with this system. The chaos I think we're going to have as to who gets in as number four this year is only going to accentuate that. We need eight teams, and I think we're headed there. Like it's, It just makes too much sense to not get there. I really don't care how many teams are in the college football playoff this year as long as LSU wins it. They're undefeated playing Georgia in the SEC championship, then they're moving on and on and on and on. One step at a time, though, let's beat Georgia in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, whatever they call it in Atlanta. I'm originally from New Orleans. I went to LSU, so I don't have a lot of love for Atlanta. Not their teams, not their stadium. The city wants to be New Orleans. I'm just playing around. Atlanta's a great place, but I'm not visiting there anytime soon, except to see LSU hoist the SEC Championship Trophy, which I'm actually not doing because I'm going to be working here at the radio station. But I'm rambling on. Nonetheless, I hope LSU wins the National Championship. I hope Joe Burrow wins the Heisman Trophy. And I hope all Cajuns across the country are very happy, along with all Miamians and everyone else that is associated with that. I want the world to be a happy place. That's why I come on the radio basically every weekday from 6 to 7 and try to make you and myself and all of us a little more happy. If you enjoy the show and you want to spread the happiness, download the podcast and share it with friends. All you have to do is go to our website, WQAM.com, download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, or go to Radio.com. We'll be back tomorrow night with more of the best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.